grass came and took its toll And in the name of flood control They made their plans and they drained the land Now the glades are going dry And the last time I walked in the swamp I sat up on a cypress stump I listened close and I heard the ghost Of Osceola cry The opinions expressed on Tomahawk Talk do not reflect that of WVFS Tallahassee. From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports, it's Tomahawk Talk. I'm your host, Luke Fay, and we have a Labor Day special headed your way. It was not a great weekend to be a no. However, number one Florida State women's soccer fell to UCLA and USC on their California road trip. We will hear from former V89 host Chris Camacho later in the show, who is out there covering the event for us. For those of you in Tallahassee, Florida State football changed their location from Jacksonville to Dope Campbell Stadium this past Saturday. The result was less than stellar, with the Seminoles losing 36-31 to against Boise State. And we will get to that upcoming, but I am joined by my co-host here, Gary Putnick, who's helping run the show this year at the station. Gary, this is our first meeting of the year for everyone out there, all Florida State, I guess, Florida State students. Um, what, what do you got for us this year? Are, are you excited for this meeting? I'm excited. I'm jacked up. I'm ready to get this year I'm going. I'm jacked up! I'm ready to run through a brick wall right now. <laughs> brick wall running. You brick had your wall, yeah. you had your meeting today for the FSU as well. You've, you, you're just a busy man, man. I'm a busy man. Uh, great to hear from you. We're going to move over to our right, and we have Luke Hazen, who – Took a summer hiatus of, of a bit, gone all the way across the country, there and back multiple times, and uh, finally, a stranger has returned to the station. Luke, how was your summer? You know what? I'm, I'm glad to be back, Luke, and I'm, I'm glad to assume the role as the beta Luke in this four-man group tonight. Um, <laughs> oh. A lot of golfing, a lot of traveling this summer, and I actually worked at a movie theater this summer, and I will tell you, I saw a lot of bad movies, but no movie was as bad as the one we saw on Saturday. What was the worst, uh, what was the so worst we'll movie? get into that more. What was the worst movie you watched? God, uh, I mean, the, Lion, the new Lion King was pretty bad. Okay. I well, hated that. Well, quickly, Felipe overreaction. Everyone was trashing his performance. Looking at the other wide receivers in the SEC, um, what, what, what do you think now? Given? It, I mean, it is what you just called it, an overreaction. I mean, Felipe played one of the best defenses in the country in Miami, and um, – I, I, I do think it is the overreaction. And as, you know, the pro here on all things Gator sports, you know, um, I'm excited to see what Felipe has left. 
uh, for the rest of the season. Okay, thank you, Luke. And we'll move over to Mike Pedersen, who in an entire year had not corrected us that we had been saying his name wrong. We've we've seen that time and time again, but now it's it's almost like a new Mike in in the house here. A phoenix rises from the ashes. <laughs> 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 new and improved. And speaking of improved, the Dodgers are calling up their top prospect, Gavin Lux, who you say could be better than Corey Seager. I do. I think he's been tearing it up in AAA. He's a young guy, drafted out of high school. But, uh, yeah, Corey Seager's kind of leveled off, so looking forward to seeing him all September. Well, that was uh, that's going to be interesting. I know Chris Camacho is a Dodger guy through and through. He might have a little bit to say about that. But we have a lot to say about Florida State's football game, or lack thereof, in the second half. It was an embarrassing show of I, it, it reminded me of last year and the year before and I'll say this um, I I was never a fan of the Taggart hire I said we'll, we'll give him some time at Florida State uh, and you have to give him time and I, I appreciate that but I was never a fan of it and after that game I I personally the, the time is up for me for me it's it's do or die situation and he gets he gets no more outs there is there there's nothing more more for me to say, Gary. Yeah, we we talked about it last week when we asked, is the panic button gonna be in the room in Jacksonville? We didn't know the game was gonna be in Tallahassee at the time, but we asked, was the panic button going to be in the room? And it's there now. It's for sure hundred percent there. And is your are the hands hovering over it? Well, is the well, question. Gary, I, I thought to this myself and I said, Hmm, what if what if the game was in Jacksonville mm-hmm. and this happened? I think it would have been far worse oh, yeah. for for the Florida State program. It got buried under that Tennessee Georgia State loss. No, but I mean within the program, oh, within the program? of the, all the boosters, yeah, all the oh, high end people over there. It would have been a much larger crowd. It would have been all. There would have been the thing, the event of the night in Jacksonville, which is one of the largest city. Isn't it the largest city population wise in the state of Florida? Well, it for so, alum, for Florida State alums, mm-hmm. it's one of the biggest cities around the country. Exactly, Jacksonville, so, Tampa area. Yeah, so it would have been put under a much larger and a much hotter magnifying glass for Willie Taggart if this happened in Jacks. Well, Luke, I, I want to switch over, and this is Luke Hayes, of course, not myself in the third person. <laughs> uh, I want to switch over to the fact that Boise State flew halfway across the country, was ready to play the football game, last minute has to take a bus ride over to Tallahassee, and looked like the home team. I have to give props to Boise State. They came into that game under tremendous pressure, um, not only to, you know, football-wise, but also traveling across the country, like you said. And they looked and played like the better coach team, the more talented team, and the team that actually wanted to win the game. Uh, the, the exact opposite of Florida State, in fact. Mike, what was your reaction to what happened in the first half? You're, I assume, did you go to the game? Yes. Well, I mean, I know it was hot. Well, was it hot in the first place? Well, I was wearing khaki pants, so I felt like Jim Harbaugh out there just sweating through them oh, all boy. game. But well, that's another story. Yeah, well... What, what was your reaction for the first half when you saw that first half and then the second half unfolding as it did? I was thoroughly impressed with how the offense was. I felt like the play calling was amazing. It was, a, it was an upgrade. I felt like it was Kendall Bryles just showing off the magic in his own mind. Um, the offensive line was working well. We were running the ball well. We were getting first downs. We were moving the ball down the field. I liked the play calls with the passing. We were just very consistent. And What happened in the second half? I have a theory, well, maybe it was someone that we talked about before the show, but that there might have been, and this is just a rumor, a change in who was calling the plays. 
because um, it did not seem like a Kendall Bryles play calling with the it was screens less that were run, it, it was less run and gun and odd. It was just odd. It, it really did look odd in the in the second half. And you got to give credit to Boise State who controlled the ball. They controlled the ball most of the half. And the time of possession, someone can look that up for me. The time of possession was way in favor of Boise State. Boise State, State had about 40 minutes of possession. That's what I'm just remembering from the yeah. post-game press conference. And that's, that's not – that 40 minutes, scary is not because Florida State was moving quickly on offense. They moved quickly about two times. The but first couple, beyond that, that's yeah. just poor play. Yeah, they were moving quickly. They were moving quickly because they kept getting off the field quickly. Yeah. Luke? I'm going to give you all a set of numbers, and I want you to guess what stat this is. All right, you ready? Six – Three, four, two, three, 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 five. Uh, the first eight possessions, how many yards were were uh, done? The last, the or second the, half. The second half's yeah. first, first possession. The amount of plays each drive in the second half for Florida State. Oh, wow. Mm. Oh, amount of plays. Okay. Amount I, was, of plays. Yeah, I thought okay. yards as well. I mean, that's pretty bad if we thought oh, it was just yards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel oh, like it was pretty close with the yards, too. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, it's, it's impossible to win a ball game like that. Even if, when you're up 18, not once, but twice, it's impossible to win when the difference between the amount of p- uh, plays that you're running and the uh, the minutes that you possess the ball are that wide for the two teams. Well, I got to add to that that Florida State had 19 first downs uh, to, to Boise State's 39. That's, that's, that's unheard of. 23 unanswered points, Mike. Is, is this a, a precursor to what the season's going to be? I or sure, a turning point. I sure hope not. I mean, I know a lot of people who came in to this year expecting FSU to be undefeated after three or four games. And I think it just comes down to the play calling. Our defense was just gassed in the second half, just like with the whole time of possession thing. And if it's if we're going to keep calling plays like we did in the second half, then we're going to have another mediocre season. You know, I was hoping we'd shoot for a 7-5 and five season, but if this keeps up, I don't know. Yeah, it's it, – it, it it really it takes the words out of your mouth, especially sitting in that post game press conference where it frustrated me that none of the meeting members said, you know what, this is enough. Some of them said on the on the on the field and and couldn't believe what that last possession was or even what the second half was. But if you aren't going to challenge a coach, Gary, a, as a media member, all the fans are are you know up in arms about the loss and everything. You can understand that, but you can't at this point. There are no more excuses. He said, well. Execution. We need to execute better. I have. I have exactly what he said today in in the press conference. He said, "Well, our alignment was wrong on the, in the running game, and and we need to fix that. And the fundamentals, tackling, making making sure where guys are. That's how you run a football team, Gary. Yeah. I mean, with the tackling, when you talk, I talked to Devontae Taylor after the game in the presser and all that. He. He had no answer for the tackling question. He was they, bad, they Gary. Him, he was bad. I know. He was bad. Not only him, but the whole defense was bad. And that just comes down to the fact that when you're practicing before these games, and it's a result of now what the new rules are for the NCAA, they can't hit as much. So you come into these games rusty, and the tackling is poor. And when it, a team's tackling is already poor in the first place, it's just going to be ever. It's just going to be more highlighted throughout the rest of that first half and second half. So it just looked so much worse than what it could have been. Granted, if the team could tackle a lot more during practices. I have a little bit of a correction there with it was 38 first downs for Boise State. Wow, I, I gave him that extra one. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I want to <laughs> add, add to the, the stat line of Boise State was 10 of 19 on third down. Florida State, 1 of 12. Mike? 
you wanted to talk yeah, a little bit about so, the fundamentals. And, yeah, I think, and going back to Taggart is what I was really trying to get at. I think this first year that Willie Taggart had last year was kind of like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll accept it. We'll give him a pass because of the team that he inherited. But with having a full year and then the whole offseason, I think now, like you've said earlier, there's going to be a lot more pressure put on him and responsibility in terms of, hey, this is your team now. You can't blame anything else. This is, if you can't do these little things like fundamentals and alignment and tackling, then that just shows bigger problems in the long run. And, and media saw it all last year, them lining up on the wrong side of the ball. And it, granted, it was a lot less. But when the, when the game was on the line in the final minute and Willie Taggart has two timeouts, third and five, or run play. And you clock him out on it. You clock, him out yeah, clock, clock starts churning. Clock starts churning. You go, okay, he'll call a timeout here. Doesn't call a timeout. It's fourth and, what was it, fourth and three. And there's a holding penalty. And now it's fourth and 13. And I – I sit here looking around. Everyone's looking around going, this is the play of the game. You've got two timeouts. The clock is running. you got to take a timeout here and get your best play call. You cannot tell me you had that play call. No one has a fourth and 13 with the clock running. These guys were out of position. And, and in, the, in the answer, that it, when I asked him, I said, why, why didn't you not take that timeout? And he said, well, we had the right play call. We just lined up wrong. Well, if you just lined up wrong, call a timeout. You should know that. You should be a competent coach and see that. Even if they had the right play call. These are 18, 19, and 20-year-old kids we're talking about in what could be the most crucial play to set the tone for the season. There's no excuse not to call a timeout and get your guys ready for this 4th and 13th. I, I totally agree, and we're going we're gonna to play a little bit of a clip from James Blackman um, in his post-game presser here. We can't come out playing 30 minutes strong, and then the next 30 minutes we just – we wasn't laying, we wasn't laid back. We just, we just didn't have the same energy, and we just needed to get a, a good drive sustained. We put the defense on the field too much, and we just can't do that. We just gotta keep that same momentum from start to finish. On if the loss will linger, it's not gonna linger. We're different, for sure different. We know we're gonna hit the ground running tomorrow morning and get right after it because we're not trying to feel this feeling again. We spoke about it before this game. Something happened. Now we gotta get right. Sudden change. Now we have to make up our minds and, and let, let each one of us know what we want to be. And that's a national championship team. This one game can't define us. Blackman, on the noise from outside the program. With all due respect, we do not care about what anyone else got to say about this football team. Because we know how much work we put in. We know how hard it is to win games. But we're going to get it fixed for sure. Coach Taggart said something along the lines of, um, learning how to win again, that's something this program has to do. Do you, do you agree with that? That's something that you guys have to have to figure out? Um, yeah, because it's, you talk about how you're going to handle adversity a lot, how you're going to handle the success. Sometimes the Lord might think you're not ready for the success yet, so he put you through some more adversity to see if you just want to fold. We're not going to fold, though. We're going to hit the ground running tomorrow and get ready for the next game. His thoughts on his career day knowing Florida State lost. It wasn't good enough. We didn't win the game. No matter what happened, we did not win the game. So what a performance you got to do without the win. And it's a lot of throws that I feel like I want back. Um, had a lot of opportunities. So I feel like we want to be too good and then be too bad. That was James Blackman on his performance at the end of uh, the, the post-game presser. And you could tell that there was a little bit of fire in there. And as a leader of that program, Blackman – he, he sat there and said that 
the kids were having their they were hanging their heads again. And to, to stop that, this is this is not the same team as last year. Gary, what do you think of the demeanor from Blackman, and does it really truly ring to the players? Well, Blackman's demeanor was different than what we had heard last year, and from everyone else, because the listening to the rest of the press conferences, I wasn't in on Blackman's uh, presser huddle there. I was with Woodby and uh, Levante, but it felt like from everyone else, including Taggart, it felt like the same kind of press conferences we had last yep. year. It was just like, well, gosh darn it, we lost again. We're going to, it's 24 hours, back to the, like, just wait it out. Like, let, only think about it for 24 hours, then out of your mind. Taggart has shown zero, I mean, it just feels like in the press conferences, he's shown that zero fire, passion, that intensity that a lot of coaches would show, and kind of that pissed off kind of attitude, that angry attitude that some guys have to give to get those guys, get under their guys' skin because these guys, they're not kind of reacting to, their, Tiger's not doing anything to get them fired up. It's just like, well, we're down, stay down. Mike, it, it just looks like, Taggart as a coach is beaten and not a confident man anymore. When when you saw him come in and have his first press conference as a Florida State coach, he was fired up and all the music playing during the the games and all the or uh, the, during the practices, everyone was excited about him as a coach. And there there is no energy in, in that in any any part of his game right now as a coach. And I remember that from last year with press conferences too. Just he's just lacking the fire, lacking. I don't know. He's so even keeled even after losses. He just continues yeah. to take it and you just want to get not you kind of just want to get a rise out of him just to see like if he I don't know. He's so internally like just focused and doesn't I just wish I could see more from him. That's all. And it's kind of disappointing and disheartening to hear. Luke, does he know what he's doing? He he's been a football coach for the past number of years. He He's a football coach. I'll leave it at that. Whether he's a good coach or a bad coach, it remains to be seen. But Willie Taggart does know what he's doing. James Blackman was 23 of 33, 327 yards, three touchdowns, two fumbles, one loss, no interceptions. Um, an amazing first half. I saw something like he had a 303 passer rating in the first half, 13 of 15 for three touchdowns. Blackman had a great game great game Gary and then the second half happened can you take something from this first half or is it a regression and he is who we thought he was I can you can take a ton from that first half he looked great like the prediction that I put out last week where it was the 275 yards two touchdowns and I think either a pick or no pick he was living up to and he surpassed it all in the first half and I was like wow this is this is what we were expecting to get when he first was coming onto the scene and then the play calling, I think, changed. I think kind of the play calling let him down. It was a lot of go routes later on in the second half, and they kind of felt desperate as if they were playing down 18 points rather than up 18 points. One of the quotes from Blackman was, is, was, was exactly what I asked Gary, um, and, and his response was, how often last year did you see Florida State put up 31 points in the first half? Never. And so he believes it's a changed offense. I don't know. How fluky is it to allow 23 unanswered points at home to a team that, that wasn't even in the even in any part of the country uh, this whole week? I'm going to put it plain and simple. That first half that we saw from James Blackman is probably the best that you will ever see him again for Florida State. Kendall Bryles scripted probably the very best game plan that you could for James Blackman. And with the exception of the, the huge, huge fumble, 
that ended up costing FSU some points after uh, Bachman's interception. Um, he played he played exceptional, um, but the second half showed that he's still a flawed quarterback. He still isn't what everyone is saying he is. Mike, what what did you think of Blackman's performance? I just thought it was night and day, first half and second half. Maybe that was just the offensive line and how clean that pocket looked, especially in the first quarter, the way they were putting up the points. But he was making all the right throws. I think, you know, I agree with what Luke was saying just about the scripted plays because he was hitting a lot of good hitch routes that they would get first downs on and convert and move the ball. Um, but I think – I just think it was the play calling, too. It didn't help him out. The offensive line didn't help him out in the second half with just the increased pressure that he had. He had less time in the pocket and less time to react, pretty much. Mike, you mentioned the offensive line. They had 10 offensive linemen in the game throughout. Uh, that's not – there were injuries, but that's not a way to succeed. And the offensive line looked pretty darn good the first the first half, and the second half wasn't that bad – or was really bad, but – you got to look and and say this is somewhat of an improvement. Maybe they're the eleventh worst offensive line in the ACC. You don't. It, it's hard to see going against Boise State's comp, uh, Boise State uh, as a competitor, given given what what conference they play in. But what I really want to focus in on is what Bachmeyer, the freshman for Boise State, the quarterback, did against Florida State's offense, which was downright embarrassing. Let, let's be honest, Florida State. I call it impressive. Well, it was downright embarrassing by Florida State oh, to yeah. let Bachmeyer throw 30 passes for 470 or 407 yards and one touchdown. He, he did have a pick in there. He was pressured a lot and stood in there. And Willie Taggart said, when we got to him, you know, he he, he didn't look that great. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you, every he single, got right back up. Yeah, every single throw he got hit, his helmet came off three times, and all three times that ball came in to be a, a completion. Like, our, our I am so impressed by by Boise State, and it begs the question: If Boise State can get them, what is Florida State doing wrong with getting quarterbacks that can play the position to a high caliber? I don't know. I just don't know. I mean, this kid was recruited by a lot of big schools. He re- recruited by Georgia, was a USC, and a few other top tier programs, and he looked like he belonged at those top tier programs. Granted, Boise State is a solid ball club. You most of the time. And he may have made the right choice by going there and starting day one. Luke, what do you think about Florida State's run defense where they allowed Mahone 24 carries, 142 yards, and two touchdowns, and then the backup, Halani, 14 carries for 70 yards? I, I thought they ran exceptionally well. They knew they knew our weakness. on They knew Florida State's weakness up front. And is, it really, is it really a lining up wrong? That's what Taggart said was Florida State's defense lined up wrong. It wasn't the scheme. I think the weakest part of FSU's defense has to be their linebacking core. And when you run a 3-4 to start out, you don't have guys filling in those gaps. You have people uh, not shedding blocks. They're catching blocks. And they're just shoving it. Boise State shoved it down Florida State's throat time after time after time. And you know what? I'm in no way excusing Kendall Bryles for that second half and what he did. But it was his first game at FSU. There are going to be growing pains with that offense. You know whose game first game it wasn't? Harlan Barnett, yeah. defensive coordinator for Florida State. He, in my opinion, has failed this program. He's failed his fellow coaching staff. He's failed the fans. And above all, he has failed these players to put them in a right in right positions. He's on the chopping block, Luke. He, he's, I, he's gone? 
He's gone. Who, I, step, I, who steps up though? He, he's well. I, the Jim Levitt's not going to come during the middle of the season. Well, but yeah. if if Taggart makes it through, everyone is going to point to Jim Levitt as the guy because that was his guy originally mm-hmm. until. Jim Levitt's family didn't really want to move from Oregon, and then now he's spending time uh, with his mom, who I believe is 94, 96 years old. So Jim Levitt would be the guy to step in. Is he going to make that that big difference? I don't really know, but it can't get much worse. Absolutely. It can't get much worse. Mike, I want to ask you about Tamari and Terry. He had four catches for, I believe, 99 yards and a touchdown, but he had some drops. Is is Terry the guy that can change change a game, or is he just if you put him on another perennial program, he's the third best wide receiver? Do we have a perception of him that is exponential given how bad Florida State's wide receiver core has been? I'd say he's he's a great receiver, an above average receiver, but you saw some flaws in him. One thing I will say, he was just a deep threat last year. It felt like posts over the middle, that kind of thing. But I was thoroughly impressed with his touchdown that he had on a screen, actually showing some speed and agility, breaking tackles, and going down the sideline. The, when I think of the drops, all I think of is that Cam Akers pass mm-hmm. to yeah. him mm-hmm. where he was open, hit him right in the hands, maybe just a concentration thing. You know, it's a big trick play. Mine's in a different place as a player. It's a momentum shifter, and Florida State just really didn't didn't have it this week. And we can talk all day about Boise State and was was Boise State a great team and Florida State played bad. I think that Boise State is a very solid team. They're going to compete. Boise State. They could run the table for the yeah, rest of the season. Mount, in the Mountain West, they look they look pretty darn good. And the big question for them was what? Running back and wide receiver. If you look at their running backs and their wide receivers, they, they tore Florida State up. Over yeah, 600 yards. Yeah. And when they came down to it, Boise State made the adjustments when Florida State didn't. And that's what made the difference in that game. Their coaching staffs their coaching staff was smarter and more savvy and that's changed the momentum. part part of coaching is knowing your personnel, yeah. knowing the players and what they're what they excel at. And Florida State, for the life of me, I don't understand why they were playing off of those receivers against a true freshman starting his first game ever at Doe Campbell Stadium. Yeah, they're giving him way understand. too they're giving him way the him and the receivers way too much space to make those throws in zone coverage. And what I noticed whenever they tightened up and played some man they, Bachmeyer wasn't able to make the same pass as he did when he, they were in zone. Guys, let's let's get some positives here. I'm going to give you a positive and negative. Give me the guy who Florida State, a, a young guy, who, or you shouldn't give me a young guy, but someone who needs to be, be replaced on defense and the guy who stepped up overall for a Florida State. Carlos Becker on defense, I felt like had an explosive game, especially when he came off the edge rushing the quarterback. I think you know, he might not be a full-time replacement for whoever is at safety, but I definitely think they need to incorporate him more if he's going to show that potential. Pedersen? I just really love Hamza Nasruddin and the impact yep. that he made as safety over the middle. Um, I think it just came down to when there were flaws, it was the zone coverage and uh, the quarterback just picking apart our defense. I loved his tenacity. Gary? You can go negative. Negative? Uh, I'm gonna have to go Levante Taylor. Way too many. There was way too many missed tackles. He they sent him a lot. He of didn't corner. cover. He didn't yeah. cover. Well, they sent him on a lot of corner blitzes for the most part early on in the game. I think there was about three in the first half that he was on, maybe one or two in the second. And whenever they would send him on that, I don't know if it was a his decision, him like a based on a read, or if it was Barnett's choice. Whenever they would send him on that, or when he would send himself, there was an open open receiver right in the flat, right for Bachmeyer to hit, and that was an easy four yard, five yard, maybe ten yard pickup. Yeah, and I got to say this, Florida State 
they they need to Stanford Samuels did not play very well in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um, Levante Taylor, it, you just look at the passes and the amount of space. The one that broke my back watching was was it third and seventeen? Third and seventeen. Four four, four minutes left, and you rush three people mm. and drop back in coverage, mm. and the guy runs a eighteen yard route right into soft coverage, and you have four guys who just look at the ball and go, you know, that was a great route run. I'm going to say one thing about this game and the program moving forward. Um, the last couple of weeks I've been watching the show called Mindhunter. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yes. No. Yeah. Oh, no? no? So to the listeners out there, it's about these two FBI agents, and they kind of go around interviewing these serial killers. I know it's a grim subject, but they try to learn how these serial killers act and what they're going to do in the future based on their past tendencies. And what I saw from Florida State on Saturday were the same tendencies that we have seen over the last two years. Last year of Jimbo, first year of Taggart. I saw the same losing tendencies in this game and the same excuses afterwards by Willie Taggart. Well, we that I think I, I agree completely with you, Luke, and we'll, we'll cover a little bit more on the other side of the break. We're going to look ahead to Florida State against Louisiana Monroe, a little bit of uh, some reaction from the rest of the college football uh, carousel, as you will, and then Florida State soccer coming up on the other side of the break. You're listening to Tomahawk Talk live on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State.
back. You're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. We're going to look ahead to the Louisiana Monroe Florida State game that is happening in Dope Campbell this Saturday. And on the line, we have Miles Jordan uh, from Louisiana Monroe. Miles, um, I'm looking up your bio right now. I got it. He is the photo editor and sports editor for the University of Louisiana Monroe paper the hawkeye miles how are you doing good man i'm good man how are you doing uh, i'm doing great uh we how, how is it how is it down there in louisiana covering that football i mean it's something I, it, it's good for the university and it's, it's fun for us but you know the fanfare is kind of weak i'm gonna be honest oh yeah well well i can tell you this the fanfare right now over in uh florida state is pretty weak as well but louisiana <laughs> monroe you, you look at the game they had against Grambling. There are some things to take away from it. They won thirty-one to nine. Yeah, absolutely. What uh, what what do you take away from the the running back situation um, with Louisiana Monroe? Uh, I believe it was Josh Johnson had ten carries for one hundred seventy-three yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, Josh had a fantastic day on the ground. So what's interesting about Josh is he's he's a. Uh, did we lose him? Hello. Oh, yeah, yeah, we yeah. got you. You got you. Oh no, we, we lost him, him again. Take it off speaker, man. Oh. He's skipping. He's skipping in and out. We'll have we'll have Miles uh, call back wait. real quick. All right, we're gonna take <laughs> him off. Me? Oh wait, we can wait, wait. Is he back? Wait, is he back? Wait. All right, there <laughs> we go. Dog in the background or something. Oh boy. Okay, Miles. Uh, you you got you back online here for us? Yeah. Okay, sweet. So, what what do you what do you have about Josh Johnson? He only got ten carries against Grambling. Um, you think you'd pound the rock a little bit more, averaging seventeen yards a carry? Well, so what it was was is we we ran the ball as a unit. Originally, it was supposed to be a running back by committee. The, the starter of that game was Austin Vaughn, who had eleven carries for thirty two yards. And what happened was, I think it was just Josh had such a good game that they just fed him the rock. I would I would be shocked if he doesn't get the load of the carry next week though. Really? I think he's he's new. He was an Ole Miss transfer okay. uh, to ULM, so it's, it was one of his first games with ULM, like really playing. So I think it was a situation of we wanted to do running back by committee, but I mean, if if he's going to be that hot, I mean, you got to give the ball. Caleb Evan went 19 for 25, 183 yards, one touchdown, one INT. He actually played against Florida State two years ago. Um, from yeah. what we have, he was a starter. Do you think that he'll be comfortable going up against the Seminoles? I mean, it depends on the offensive line. I think the the weird thing about the offense lately is is we we've been a, we've been really dink and dunk with Caleb, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me because I mean he's a senior um, and he's been around for so long. But the old line has is is old basically. I mean, it's all seniors and a junior who's which is T.J. Fiolia, who's um, he was all he was all sudden about preseason guy and was all sudden about last year. But I would imagine we're probably going to try to run the ball. If I if I had to guess, it's really going to be trying to possess the rock and having Caleb make easy throws. What do you think of Florida State as a team right now? I don't know if you saw the Boise State game, but are are they vulnerable? Uh, I mean, I would think yeah. I, I think the last couple of years for Florida State, from from what I've seen, has been rough by y'all's lofty standards, but. I mean, it's still it's still tough, right? It's a Sun Belt team trying to go play an ACC team. I think, though, if there is going to be an upset, this would be the time for ULM to do it against Florida State. 
Will Will ULM make a bowl game this year? I, w- I want your prediction right now. Yeah, absolutely. They missed out with the six and six record last year. What was that? I think we I think we absolutely will. Okay. Luke? We have six home games this year. I mean, I think beating Graham and having that type of beating Graham State and having that type of uh, confidence booster will be go a long way because that's already one win. I mean, if we go seven and five, we probably don't miss out. Miles, I, from what I looked at, Grambling had over 400 yards of offense and yeah. turned over the ball inside of the red zone twice. Uh, yeah. Is that something to worry about the defense over there, <sighs> or is so, this that great red red zone defense? I don't think it's as big of a worry as it looks. I think on the, on the stat sheet, it's a wor- it, it looks worrisome, but we had a couple guys get banged up and missed a couple uh, series. We had one guy get ejected in the second half. Uh, Cortez Cisco Jr., who's one of our best linebackers. So I think the yards are a little more skewed than they should be. I also think it became a situation of we were okay giving up yards because we were up so big. So I did you know read, what I mean? Yeah, I, I did read that he was ejected in the third quarter for touching an official. Do you have any word on if he'll play against Florida State? No, I haven't seen anything. I'm not sure. Well, I didn't even see when it happened. It, it, it seemed even Coach Matt Vietor, ULM's head coach, he was sort of hush-hush about it. Okay, he okay. wouldn't. He wouldn't exactly comment on it after the game. Um, he mentioned that he had heard the story, but he wouldn't say what the story was. So. Hey, Miles. It's it's the other Luke here. Um, kind of picking, piggybacking off of what Luke said about the defense. Um, yeah. You know, it's seventeen to nine heading into the half, um, one score game, and then you guys yeah. shut out Grambling for the rest of the game. Uh, do you know what kind of adjustments the defense made in the second half, if there were any? What it seemed like to me was is we tried to limit grambling's quarterback from running in the first half he was killing us in the ground um i couldn't see what the exact adjustments were but that's what it looked like to me is that he ran the ball less and we tried to force him to really pass the ball and and that's something viator said after the game is that they were worried about their quarterback's ability to make plays outside the pocket i think it was about keeping him inside the pocket and making and making tackles really well i noticed that when on the, i'm looking at the stat sheet again and yeah i noticed only two quarterback hurries and it looks like zero sacks i just yeah where is that i mean i understand it's a lot of kind of a quarterback spy system where you kind of just contain but there's yeah. no pressure on him at that point yeah i mean you're right now we had a, i think the stats are a little wrong we had a I recall seeing more than that. We had a couple times where we almost sacked him. Okay. Um, we had a couple times where we broke out a tackle, too, like outside the pocket or even a couple times inside the pocket. There was one play in the third or fourth quarter where Kerry Starks should have wrapped him up, and he didn't. But I don't know. That's one of the biggest issues with our defense. We don't have a lot of pressure. Hey, man, Mike I mean, Pedersen uh, here hey, for you. So your fifth-year senior, Chase Day, linebacker, had a great yeah. game for you all last week, 12 yeah. tackles and an interception. What are you yeah. expecting from him this week against Florida State? I'm expecting him and Cortez as well, who's also fifth year. I'm expecting both of them to have the same type of day. I mean, they're they're better in run stopping than they are coverage, but I mean, their ability to with them, their best quality is tackling people. You know, so I, I would expect them to have a similar type of day. Kicking it back over to special teams, you guys yeah. had no punts in the no. last game. How many punts do we are we expecting this next game? Yeah. Um, I, I think we're gonna at least have a punt. <laughs> okay, so at least one. I'll write that down. <laughs> yeah, at least one. Miles, Josh Johnson. Um, what what type of runner is he? Is he more of a power back or a, a speed speed guy? Man, last game he looked like the complete package. I mean, 
I mean, he's he's not small. I mean, if, if I'm not mistaken, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but I'm pretty sure he's like five nine, like two fifteen. So he's not a small running back. But I mean, he had a couple plays where he basically kind of hurdled hurdled guys. He broke out of tackles. I would imagine against a team like FSU, he's probably more of a speed guy. But I think against Sunbelt competition and against Graham, he looks more complete. So, do you have any questions for us regarding Florida State uh, on your end? <laughs> I mean. So I didn't. I didn't watch the game. How did? How's the QB look? He, he looked great in the first half, and then the second half right. happened. Florida State got shut out twenty-three straight uh, points uh, by yeah, Boise State. Well, that was the thing. When I wrote the preview, we wrote a preview about it. I didn't write it. I'm sorry. When when we wrote the preview this week for the game, that was the thing I said: is that if we can kind of get in his head and everything, that's the way we win the game. It might just be more or less, not getting in Blackman's head. It might just be more or less getting in the coaching staff's head because they seem so. to shoot themselves in the foot with their play calling in the second half. So that might be the okay. key there. <laughs> I so, mean, either way, I think the big thing for ULM is, is you have to possess the ball. I mean, if we if if we punt a bunch, if we turn the ball over, we're not going to win. Florida I mean, State, we're going to have to dominate the time of possession. Yeah, Florida State is dominate the time of possession, which that's what Boise State did. They have over they had over forty minutes oh against goodness. Florida State, which is ungodly. And Florida State does play that that fast-paced offense, but yeah. that was not the reason why Boise State had so much. I mm-hmm. my big question is here for for the uh, degenerates: Will Florida State or will ULM cover twenty-one and a half? Oof! <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> I think yes. I I, I, I don't they, argue I with that. I don't argue will. with that. I, th- I think we can at least put up like twenty-four. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. Because, well, I mean, we played pretty decently against Texas A&M last year. I mean, I think we put up 21 at least on Ole Miss. And, I mean, we got blown out, but, I mean. <laughs> my, uh, my, uh, one of my final questions for you, uh, are you going to make that trip uh, all the way from Louisiana to Tallahassee? So, I got approved for my press passes today. So, yeah, that's the Come plan. On. All right, man. Well, we'll I, guess, be in town. I guess we're going to have to see you in that press box, huh? Well, it probably I'll probably be on the field. I, I got someone else to go up in the press box. With. Okay, so you you were gonna do photos. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Are you are you uh, staying Are you staying in town in Tallahassee? That's the plan. We haven't fa- we haven't uh, gotten our arrangements yet, but uh, well, all I'm right, we'll, look. We'll, we'll we'll try to run into you. Give us uh, as we head out. Give us your shameless plug about yourself. Get you know try to try to figure yourself out there for the FSU media who who don't know. Yeah. So, you know, my name is Miles Jordan. I'm a photographer. First and foremost, but I love sports. I love sports photography. I kind of lucked into being able to be the photo editor and the sports editor. But I mean, if you want to see any of my work, uh, all of my social medias are Miles B. Jordan. So kind of makes it easy. Well, thank you, Miles. Uh, it's great thank having you, and especially having a student here um, talking to the yeah. student radio. We are live here in Tallahassee on WVFS, uh, the 89.7 um, FM. If you want to know, we'll, we'll be on Apple Podcasts as well, so you can hear back. But that was Miles Jordan uh, from Louisiana Monroe's uh, newspaper, The Hawkeye. Miles, thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. Once again, that was Miles Jordan. Uh, it, it was that, that was a great talk. I, I, that's the one thing I like about this. I want to get more and more students involved um, calling into our show because, number one, it gives you experience. And number two, would any of us been able to add any input to Louisiana Monroe? Absolutely Mm-mm. not. <laughs> I knew FAU played them a lot when FAU was in the Sun Belt, so I got that. <laughs> oh, no, you know, and that's what we're trying to do here at WVFS. We're trying to create an organic experience, an organic insight into our opponents. So, 
What What do you guys take away from uh, what What he said about Josh Johnson and, and controlling the ball? It's going to be tough. If I mean, if FSU struggled with defending the run game last weekend, it's going to be a no, it's going to be the same thing. Maybe more of the same because I know all of Louisiana Monroe's offensive line is coming back. So they want just like Boise State, they have that experience on the front line. So that could end up being the difference maker. I think there needs to be another person in the box for the defense. That two linebackers in the box is mm-hmm. not enough, and that's how you know it's not all Dontavis's fault when you know there's five guys picking you up and you miss the wrong gap. Um, Harlan Barnett needs to make adjustments. You know, I was pondering the line. What was it? Twenty-one and a half, right? Twenty-two, yes. something like no, that. It's twenty-one and a half. Oh, right and, right and, half and then right I now? heard okay. the. Uh, then uh, we were listening to the interview with Miles, and he said, "Run heavy." That's their plan of attack, and I said. There's no way FSU is covering this game. Stack the box. If, they're, the if, they're, if their like plan Mike of attack said. is to run straight at Florida straight State, forward. they are going to have success. They, well, their plan is probably just going to be run away from Marvin Wilson and, that's, they, and double cover Marvin Wilson. And that's, it'll probably work. Yeah. Exactly. And that's and what the, all Boise State did. And the problem is that, you know, these guys – I lost it. Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, well the, the problem is it's so easy for Florida State. To, to give up these yards. If if you look at what he said about Josh Johnson, is they were going to be running back by committee. So you think, well, shoot, if Josh Johnson had 17 yards per carry, you got to wonder what the guys behind him who they thought possibly were better will Florida State once again succumb to this, this type of offense. If they're rotating fresh legs in and out of the game and they're anything like uh, Josh Johnson, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a test for Florida State for sure. Guys, uh, let's let's move on a little bit. We're going to go to one game in the college football sphere, unless you guys got something else uh, for us, and and that that's going to be what was the only rank was it the only ranked, only ranked uh, matchup game between two opponents, and that was Oregon and Auburn. So Oregon and Auburn, uh, Oregon and Auburn played against each other, and it was a sh- it, w- it wasn't a shootout. That's what it, people build it, it up sloppy. to be. It was yes. a sloppy game, and Auburn Auburn. Stole the game, really. Played they played quintessential Auburn football. They they backed themselves into a win somehow, some way, with a true freshman quarterback going up against an experienced Oregon team with an experienced quarterback. They somehow find a way, just like Gus Malzahn always does. And and Bo Nix, thirteen of thirty one, one hundred seventy seven yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. He, he did not really have a great game. And if if you, I don't know if you guys saw the end of that game, but. Them throwing the ball into the end zone. They're on the 30-yard line. Field goal, field goal wins it. And that felt – you know who that felt like? Les Miles at LSU. What <laughs> was – as soon as he threw it, I went, oh, my gosh. He threw, he threw an interception right there. He got lucky. That's all he can say. <laughs> so what, what do you think, uh, Mike, what do you think of the performance from Justin Herbert, 28 of 37, 242 yards, one touchdown? He is what people are billing up to be the – number one quarterback, possibly number one draft pick. If he doesn't carry Oregon to, say, 10 wins, is is he not going to be one of those top guys? Or are they going to try to go to a different way? Maybe I, I Jacob Eason, who people have forgotten about over at Washington. Mm. Had a great, great debut with Washington. Well, I think, first of all, Herbert should have probably entered the draft this past season, which is with the quarterback class that was there. But I don't know. He didn't do much in the fourth quarter, obviously, you know, with a big old zero for them in the offense. So Justin Herbert, sure, he may have all the NFL qualities and putting up easy numbers like that, but there needs to be some kind of clutch gene or just some kind of urgency to not blow that lead. 
speaking to that clutch gene, in one of their last plays, he just chucked it up and threw it out the back of the end zone. It looked like he was yeah. just trying to show off that arm strength. It, it reminded me of that, that Nick's buzzer beater a few years back where the dude literally chucked it <laughs> over the goal and into the I think it was Jarrett, Jarrett, uh, Jarrett Jack, yeah, Jarrett Jack. Uh, was the guy. I, I did yeah. see that in the video. Yeah, exactly. It was a poor, one of the worst efforts I've ever seen. Gary, <laughs> Gary, is Auburn once again overrated? Yes. Yes. What I mean – we're going to keep doing this every single year. We're going to keep running around in a circle like, oh, yeah, this is Auburn. They're back, they're back, they're back. It's like kind of like Texas maybe, but we got to just wait and see. I'm not going to give them the SEC, the SEC West title after beating number 11 Oregon in their first game of the season. No, I, th- I thought this game was going to be a toss-up between these two teams yeah. when, we were, when I was planning out how Auburn would finish this season. I still think they're about a 7- or 8-win team, especially uh, when, you see, when you saw what Bo Nix did. I wasn't eagerly impressed with him at all. Uh, so I think there's still a 7 or 8 win team. There have been a lot of freshmen that have looked fairly good around the country, and Bo Nix was one of those high-profile freshmen that people thought were going to be or was going to be the saver for Auburn football. Um, trying to think of Missouri. Kelly Bryant was... was John transfer quarterback. Yeah. Well, no, no. I'm or saying... I'm saying that they thought that as a, as a true freshman yeah. that Bo Nix was going to be the guy. Auburn wanted Kelly Bryant to go to uh, gotcha, gotcha. to Auburn, he ended up going to Mizzou. Mizzou loses on I the road at Wyoming. Yeah, on Just the road at Wyoming, Tennessee loses to Georgia. Week for the SEC East. Georgia State. I mean, I, I I threw a little thing over to Clint Island and I said, "Tough week to be you as a Tennessee Florida State fan." And he said, "I'm only an NFL fan." So, uh, and, and do you want to yeah, know? You yeah, want to know who sure. his NFL team is? Titans. The Titans. Ugh. It's a, it's yeah. tough to be. Have fun with like eight or nine wins every single season. Yeah, so that's more than the Dolphins. So I mean, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're about to move on. I'm gonna give Mike the final word. What what do you have to say about Auburn, Oregon, or or each respective team heading into the the, the season? It's the first game. I I think you know Bo Nix. Sure, it might not have been the most impressive game, but nonetheless, as a freshman, good game, solid way to finish. Showed huge clutch gene. Uh, with that last touchdown pass. I look forward to watching him getting better this year. I think Auburn will give a lot of teams in the SEC a run for their money. I don't think they'll be the best, but it'll be good to watch them this year. Well, we will move on. That was enough football talk. 50 minutes. I can breathe a sigh of relief. I, I, think we had back, a lot, baby. I think we had a lot more to say because it was the first game and and the 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 way it's all turned out We're next week our grievances. yeah ne- next week we'll have a therapy session yeah we'll have a little bit more to go but that it was a great call i'd like to thank miles uh for for helping us out that was miles jordan um and 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 we got another caller coming in uh from hot hot from california it is let's see let's do some math 452 over there he's got the five o'clock Correct. traffic he's fighting against on the airwaves Sitting and that is chris camacho it was FSU versus UCLA and USC on their West Coast trip over to California. And on that trip, uh, Florida State lost 2-1 to one against UCLA, number four, and 3-2 to two against USC, number five. Chris Camacho on the line. Chris, what did you think of the soccer performance, and how are you doing, buddy? Hey, guys. How's it going? <laughs> Good to hear from you. Uh, yeah, listen, uh, ever since I found out UCLA and USC – uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, Florida State was coming into town. I, I knew I had to go to those games. It was very exciting. Uh, Bank of Bank of California Stadium, beautiful stadium, uh, home of LAFC, obviously. The uh, UCLA game, a lot of anticipation going into it. Um, but honestly, guys, I'm going to say in, in both of these games, Florida State just did not look 
like they were playing with a high level of intensity. They did not look like the defending national champions. Is that uh, jet lag? UCLA and US, they did their homework. They knew what they were doing. A lot of pressure, and Florida State just, at least in the first half, first half was, was rough in both games. Chris, was that some uh, jet lag over from Florida State, or, or were they just caught in the, uh, the California atmosphere? You know, I, I was talking to Coach Krikorian and Brett Klein, who's the, who's the SID for women's soccer, uh, and he said that actually they were sticking to East Coast time. So they, they ate dinner at 4 o'clock p.m. They went to bed at, I don't know, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock p.m. just to try to keep, you know, just to try to keep their bodies in the, in the same time zone. They don't, that way they're not dealing with that level of jet lag. So I don't know so much that it was, the travel, I, I would imagine, for that first game, uh, that probably took a bigger toll. Because either way, I've, and you guys know this, I've made that flight several times. Yeah. Uh, it, it is. It is very. It can be a pretty draining experience. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it was just UCLA and USC. They just they they put on the pressure, and they knew that they couldn't give Florida State a chance. Because if you if you give Florida State space, people like Dana Castellanos. Or even two of the freshmen, who uh, uh, who have been showing, who've been pro- who have been proving themselves, rather in uh, Jenna Nyswanger and Abby Newton, um, both great players and and have proven what they can do uh, when given space. Chris, let's go to and an, let's let's go from game game, and we'll start with UCLA, the first one um, played in California. Florida State lost that two to one against the number four team in the country. Give me your thoughts on the game action and then what this means uh, for the team going forward. Well, you know, they um, for the UCLA game, again, I think they just – there was a certain level of, I guess, complacency almost. There, there was no immediate pressure. If anything, I remember the first – Florida State started off uh, – it was their kickoff, and they just booted it to to the goalie. I don't – I wasn't exactly sure what the what the strategy was in that, um, but UCLA was just everywhere that Florida State wasn't. Uh, and when Florida State had possession, you had you had UCLA players just covering. In, I mean, just intently. It, there was there was no room for Florida State. Dana Castellanos had one shot, if I'm not mistaken, very very limited uh, opportunities. Chris, for, for Florida State to go to town, yes. Chris, for the UCLA game, it went into overtime. Florida State fell 3-2 to two against the number five team in the country. They were going against the number four, number five, back-to-back. Dana Cassianos had a marvelous goal. Um, oh. I, I don't know exactly the time. I want to say around the 70th minute um, to knock things up. And so what, what was your what was your, the, the game as a whole? Was it better against USC than, than against UCLA? Yes and no, because <laughs> – because in the first half, I, I mean, Florida State looked like it looked like they had learned to play to essentially reciprocate that level of pressure. However, you have USC scoring within the first minute of the game on a Florida State kickoff. I think the defense was, was severely caught off guard, and unfortunately, when you're starting behind in the first minute of the game, it's hard to come back from that. Granted, they were able to to tie it up nine minutes later. Um, so they stayed in it mentally, and obviously, when you have Dan, when you have Dana Castellanos doing her thing, um, there's it's 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 hard to let that go. Florida State had several opportunities, several opportunities uh, to score and get ahead, but it was just a lot of lack of communication. 
Hey, Chris, it's uh, Luke Hazen here. We miss you over here, bud. Oh, I miss you too, man. <laughs> uh, talking Dodgers real quick, are you excited for uh, Gavin Lux's debut tonight? Oh, my goodness. Let me tell you. <laughs> I've actually got family members coming in right now. We're, uh, we're actually getting ready to have a barbecue outside. Just got the porch redone. Uh, we got a TV outside. We're getting ready to watch that game. We're all very, very excited. Awesome. awesome. Gavin Lux in action. <laughs> Chris, it sounds like Modelo time to me. Well, uh, you know exactly oh, what time it is. Uh, well, Mike, Mike's got a question for you over here. No, Mike, um, what, what do you? He had he had something on Gavin Lux as well. Oh yeah, uh, I was just telling the guys about him because you know not many people know about the guy. But do you think that he's going to end up being better than Corey Seager? I think his, I think his potential is higher than Corey Seager's. Well, listen, Gavin Lux has a lot of upside. Um, Corey Seager has established himself as a starting shortstop for the Dodgers. What I think would be better is, is put, and if I'm not mistaken, he's starting out at second base tonight. The Dodgers don't have a consistent second baseman. And if you're able to train and, and, and uh, yeah, essentially move Gavin Lux into a starting second base, a consistent starting second baseman position, that sets up the Dodgers to at least have a little more consistency in the lineup and a little more consistency defensively as well. Hey, Chris, it's Gary. I just wanted to ask you one more thing about FSU soccer. Actually, a second question as well, but is the tape out now on how to defend this FSU team and how to really cause them to panic, or does FSU have a chance really to respond at all when they get pressured like this? Well, you know, it, 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 it's, a, it's a great question because obviously, it, and I told, I told Coach Krikorian, this wasn't the outcome we were expecting necessarily. Um and you could tell there's visible frustration. There were after the UCLA game, the players seemed fine. They understood it was a loss. But after the USC game, to lose again uh, for the second time. Oh, I also looked up a stat real quick. Um, this is the first time Florida State women's soccer has lost back-to-back road games since 2011. Wow, that's when incredible. Against Wake Forest and Duke. So uh, it's been a long time uh, that Florida State women's soccer has has experienced back-to-back losses like this. Um, but I think the ultimate takeaway is, and, and it's something that Coach Krikorian kept saying, is if you're not there to play for the full 90 minutes or more, you're not going to win games against really good teams. UCLA, USC have proved to be really good teams. Unfortunately, not everybody showed up mentally, unfortunately. Chris, Chris, we, uh, we are at 8 o'clock right here. I'm going to give you a final 30 seconds. Is there a moral victory? And catch us up on you really quick. Fast, fast, fast. we got to go. Moral victory. Um, fortunately, I'm going to say not because well, they're going to they're going to go back home to play Florida. I think that'll be their chance to earn their moral victory. As for me, I'm doing a lot of work, a lot of freelance work. I'm going to try to find an extra I don't know, uh, writing opportunities out here, and I'm doing some video editing for personal stuff. So, well, it's great. Always great to have Chris Camacho um, calling in to us. Uh, we'll we'll probably have you a couple more times this season. Hope you're doing well out there, Chris. Love to join you guys. Thank you. That was Chris Camacho, and we are out of time. Uh, we, we, it was a great show. I, I love all the call-ins. We had um, a little bit different uh, atmosphere, but, you know, we're being different this year. We got this. It's time to experiment. I thought I thought this show went really well. Well, thank you, Luke. I appreciate it. That is Luke Hazen on my right. We're going to identify all the panelists. Michael Pedersen. We got Gary Putnick over here as my co-host and on Twitter. Gianna Arantes. I'm your host, Luke Fay. This was Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. New release is up next.